Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. We are going to continue our coverage of the Lori Vallow trial today. And today's date is April 11th, 2023. Today, witness testimony continued and the testimony of Detective Ray Hermosillo began. We found out so much more details about the investigation. And I will say so many people, including us, were wondering what the police were doing and why they weren't moving faster. But from what we heard today, it seems like the case began moving as quickly as possible after Brandon Boudreaux was shot at in October of 2019. Were you really surprised by that? I was surprised it was moving that quickly. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it seems like before that, even like with Charles, a lot didn't really happen. But it was when Brandon Boudreaux was shot at in Arizona that they're like, oh, something's up. Yeah. It's sad that it took that long, but at least there was a point where they're like, okay, we get it together. Exactly. Detective Hermosillo conducted surveillance on Lori's apartment by the request of Gilbert PD in Arizona. And before we start recording, I told Lindsay, I was like, I'm so surprised that Arizona had it together at any point. Right? I just don't have a lot of trust in Arizona. But anyways, so while he saw Lori and Chad, he did not see a young boy or a teenage girl. It's unclear whether Detective Hermosillo even knew that Lori had children because he had not seen them during these surveillances. It actually wasn't until Gilbert PD came to Rexburg to serve a warrant on the seized Jeep information system that Detective Hermosillo learned about JJ entirely. And when we're referencing the Jeep, it's the Jeep in connection to the attempted shooting of Brandon Boudreaux. So it's around this time that Kay began to grow more concerned about not hearing from JJ. So Arizona police were going to do a check if he was in Arizona. On November 25th, when Arizona police couldn't confirm whether JJ was in Arizona, that's when they reached out to Detective Hermosillo. We've touched on these events before when we talk about body cam footage in Rexburg on November 26th, but we didn't have a lot of details that Detective Hermosillo cleared up today. So on the morning of November 26th, Detective Hermosillo and Detective Hope went to Lori's house in Idaho, where they both ended up encountering Alex and Chad. And Alex kind of gave him a blank look when he was asked any questions and just kind of looked at Chad for guidance from what we understand. Hermosillo said that Alex told him that JJ was in Louisiana with Kay, but obviously we knew, and now we know that Hermosillo knew at the time, that wasn't true because it was Kay who had called in the welfare check. So, and this was the interaction where Alex, who was clearly a little bit obsessed with his sister, acted like he didn't have Lori's phone number, and Chad acted like, He didn't know Laurie or have her phone number, which is insane to me because phone records exist and that's a really easy lie to get caught in. We caught it. We talked about that when we originally brought it up, but it's a bizarre lie. It is. And I remember when we talked about it, we're like, it's odd that no one knew, but today we learned different. Yes. And I was like, oh, 
great because I thought that we had the world's like worst criminals outsmarting everyone. And it was infuriating. We also learn that Hermesio knew that Chad was lying and that Chad eventually gave up Laurie's phone number and that he said he had lied because he was afraid he was being accused of something. That's a silly response. I think that saying that was probably not the smartest thing. No, not at all. Feeling that, okay, but saying it doesn't look great. And this is the point where more law enforcement officers were called and they began canvassing the area to see if anyone had seen JJ. While they were doing this, Hermosillo went to obtain a search warrant, which he didn't really need because Lori agreed to speak with them. And we've talked about this before, but this is where the body cam footage that we've seen comes from Detective Ball and Detective Stubbs. So the following day on November 27th, they ended up getting a search warrant anyway because of the way that Laurie was lying about JJ. And so law enforcement executed that search warrant for Laurie, Alex and Melanie's apartments in Rexburg, Idaho. Interesting note, there was no one in any of these apartments. Detective Hermosillo talked about what they found after they broke down the door of Laurie's apartment. Some of these items were just discussed. Some of these items were also shown in photos. We're going to go through a big long list. So they found lots of items suggesting that people were living in Laurie's apartment, like couches, dishes in the sink, food in the fridge and pantry, toiletries in the bathroom. But weirdly, there weren't any clothes on the hangers in the closet. Bizarre. Yeah. They also found toys that belonged to JJ, as well as some other items belonging to him, including prescription medication. They found several guns, several army-type knives, and several empty magazines for various weapons. Detective Hermosillo also said, quote, There were things of that nature in the garage that caught our eye. They also found a rental agreement for a storage unit in Rexburg that Laurie signed as Laurie Ryan. And this was also eventually searched. We've talked about this a lot. Yeah. They found three to five preparedness bags with emergency kits, a Star Wars suitcase, They also found some hazmat-looking white suits, which is alarming to me, right? I feel like that should be very alarming. Yeah. There was a tub with Alex's name on it, and inside that tub, there was a ghillie suit, gun magazines and silencers to put on the end of a gun to keep it quiet when it's fired, quote, a lot of ammunition. In the garage, they found a rifle where the barrel was threaded for a silencer, a Halloween mask that was found on top of a plastic Walmart bag, and then in that bag, they found rope and duct tape. They also found Alex's active passport and a cell phone. And it's weird that leaving presumably quickly, because they just talked to them the day before, that he left things that he needs to travel and the cell phone. That's like a lot of evidence that you can get out of a cell phone. I mean, also, let's talk about the Alex did it tub. (laughs) Yes, yes. I mean, I don't mean to laugh at it. It's just so stupid. No, I understand why you laugh because one, I called it the Alex did it tub. But that really is kind of what it seems like was trying to be shown here. And that we've talked about it before that we think that Laurie and Chad are going to try to blame it on Alex. Mm -hmm. And this is just evidence of that, of like, look, it's him. And it's just too easy. Who keeps all of their bad stuff in one tub with their name on it? That's true. That's true. Yeah. And it it makes it easy just to point the finger. It's too convenient. It's kind of like in your face. (laughs) Yeah. It's a wrapped little package that's like, it couldn't have been me. There's all this stuff in a tub with someone else's name on it. Mm -hmm. How could it be me? And it seems like just like another way in which Laurie has been kind of like 
skating through life and bad shit where she's like, but I didn't do it. Look at this other convenient answer. And there's an Alex did it tub in her apartment. Right. And I have some other suspicions, too, for this during the cross-examination. And we'll get to that in a bit. So when they searched Alex's apartment, it was completely empty. They also searched the storage unit, which we've talked about. They also discussed the iCloud photos that we've seen in the past. And one of them is from Yellowstone. And the other, I think the most haunting, because it's the picture of JJ on the couch in his red PJs. Yeah. Detective Hermosillo also talked about the day that Chad's property was searched, and that was on June 9th of 2020. On that day, we knew some vague details, but we learned a lot more about the step-by-step process of what happened, and we learned about truly horrific ways in which the bodies of JJ and Tylee were unearthed. When they went to Chad's door to serve the warrant, one of his sons, Mark, opened the door and told them that Chad was still asleep. They went into Chad's room and told him that they were there to serve a search warrant. I love that he was like resting and they like interrupted his rest. Something about that. I'm just like so good. I don't want him to ever have slept again. Oh, yeah. Especially knowing what we can unknow now. Yes, yes. So Chad quickly got dressed and called Mark Means. And at that time, he was Lori's and Chad's attorney. And from here on out, talking about this day is pretty graphic. So just want to give a heads up. It was hard to read about today. I can't even imagine how it was in the courtroom. So Chad then asked if he needed to leave. And police are like, no, but if you did leave, an officer would need to accompany you for safety reasons. Chad went outside to make more calls. And this is around the time that Nate Eaton was tipped off. And he did that haunting helicopter report of the yard. And that was so significant. Like, I will never forget that day. I was sitting in my dining room with my computer the entire day, just looking at the reports and any updates and just everything. It was awful. This is also the day where Chad calls Lori while she's in prison because she failed to produce her children. Yes. And he's like, they're at the farm. And she's like, oh, Right? It was so obvious. And then it's like a very awkward conversation. And you're like, these two are up to no fucking good. So Hermesio says that Chad was looking over his shoulder while he was in the car on the phone. And Hermesio continued that he kept looking where Chad was looking, which makes sense, right? Yeah. And Hermesio saw that there was a tree and like a pond in the backyard area. And that's where Chad was looking towards. So Hermosillo had originally started looking around the fire pit, but then he went to that tree and pond area. There was a section of grass that was shorter than the area around it. So the team began to excavate there. Per Hermosillo, as they began to remove the top layer of soil, it exposed three large rocks. At that point, there was a strong odor that, through my training, I knew it was a decomposing body. When they were discovering the body and Hermosillo went to the details of the excavation, Police were notified that Chad was leaving his daughter's house, which was across the street, at a, quote, high rate of speed. I don't know what he thought he was going to do. Like, you're not going to get away at this point. Where the fuck did you think you were going? Yeah. Idiot. I mean, clearly he's not a good person. So I can't ascribe any good things to him. So, of course, they followed him and pulled him over, and that's when he was taken into custody. I still think about that woman who made the video driving past him while he was walking in handcuffs, and just the best thing I've seen. Thank you for that. Yeah, it was a necessary thing to have for Mm -hmm. everyone to see. Yes. So, after Chad was taken in 
and the first body was taken to the morgue, Hermosillo returned to Chad's house and they started to dig in the pet cemetery. Hermosillo said, quote, in digging down, they located some items of interest that we needed to slow down and dig more methodically. He then got on his hands and knees and began digging around the, quote, moist sections of dirt. We started finding burnt flesh, decomposing bones. The smell was so bad, we had to take turns digging. Eventually, we uncovered bits and pieces of Tylee, whom we assumed was Tylee, that had been burned. They were pieces of bone, charred flesh, just globs of flesh that were falling apart. And they also found more flesh and bone in a green bucket that was melted. So while this is happening, right, they're describing Tylee, a child, a young woman, as being reduced to globs of flesh. Her mother is not showing any emotion. And I don't even know her. And I'm like heartbroken, you know? So like, I don't understand. And like, I do not always require that a person who is going through a traumatic event show X, Y, Z, but something, right? Yeah. Anything? I'm in a few groups around the trial. And some of the people that were just there to watch today were like, a lot of people were in tears. One juror, even from what I heard, was holding back tears, like trying not to. I mean, how do you not? Reading this today, I had to walk away a couple times because I was like, I can't imagine. I'm hearing this about a stranger, right? Like, I don't know her. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like she was a wonderful human being, right? But I didn't know her and I'm sad. And I'm like holding it today. Yeah. I can't imagine how Lori just no emotion, no nothing at this point. I'll say that. And I mean, like, I can understand that, like, when I'm going through something very emotional, sometimes you just kind of like do a bit of checking out where you are like physically there, but you are not mentally there. And that might be what she was doing, because sure, it might make her sympathetic if she's crying, I think Laurie's a piece of fucking trash and I wish that she could get the death penalty. But I'm just saying that like, I could see a point where you could be so upset that you could not be quiet enough for people to hear what was like being said. Yeah. And I can't imagine being a relative of Tylee or JJ or Tammy as we'll get to, not today, but later, but like being one of their relatives and having to have some level of composure while people are talking about this. Yes. Yes. But Detective Hermosillo went on to say that they eventually found a human skull and they worked to put all of the pieces into a body bag. They showed photos from that day from where they were found. And again, there wasn't any emotion from Laurie. Mm -mm. So then this is where they broke for lunch, because from here on out, it was going to get significantly more graphic. And then when they came back, there were some issues that caused delays in Detective Hermosillo's testimony. So. After the lunch break, when court was about to resume, John Thomas asked if he could have some time to visit with Lori. Lori, at this point, appeared visibly upset, and that's according to East Idaho News. Judge Boyce then ordered a recess, and Lori left the courtroom with her attorneys to have a discussion in a private hallway. Then a few minutes later, it sounded like prosecutors and the judge also left the courtroom into the hallway. The court was told that they were taking a 30-minute recess. And from what Nate Eaton said, he said, quote, Lori Daybell appeared upset this afternoon. I've seen her in multiple court hearings in Hawaii, face-to-face at the Rexburg Airport. I've never seen her upset or sad before today. And I think that's saying something that something finally triggered her or she's putting on a really good act. But 
during all of this, jurors were not brought in from their lunch break. So they're just waiting. Yeah. And the court was told that, you know, everything was going to be graphic. So that might have led to this. About 40-ish minutes later, Lori came back in and her face was red and it appeared like she had been crying. Archibald said that Lori wished to waive her right to be present for the remainder of the afternoon. It was emotional this morning and Lori has fragile mental health, was the excuse. Lindsay Blake was like, no, 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 no. She argued that it's important to have the defendant present and the state of Idaho deserves to have her here. I think that's fair. I think that perhaps for the first time, it occurred to her that she might never be a free person again. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that's what happened. I mean, honestly, I hope that it's that she realized what she did. I don't know. I can't get there yet. I just don't think she has emotion for that. I think she's so selfish, like to even allow this to happen. You're right. I don't know. It doesn't exist in her body. So Lindsay Blake continued, this isn't the first time the defendant has been uncooperative with this court. Also said, if Lori's allowed to leave, the state would be allowed to comment to the jury during closing arguments that she was not present during this portion of the trial. So Boyce cited Idaho Criminal Rule 43 and said presence is required at a defendant's trial in every stage of the trial, but there is a process if someone wants to be voluntarily absent. Ultimately, though, he did deny her request, and she was said again to have no reaction to this. Woof. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, the fact that she's just, like, flipping on and off emotions just confirms what we think about her, I think. So after the jury was brought back in, Detective Hermosillo's testimony continued, and more images were presented, and it gets even more graphic at this point, right? So one image showed a piece of charred bone sticking up to the dirt and moist soil from, quote, rotting flesh. Another showed flesh and bone found in the ground that was placed on a blue tarp. Hermosillo said, this is just a portion of some of the flesh and charred bone we had uncovered at that time. They showed an image that had burnt flesh fatty tissues, and organs that were not completely burned that had been found in the bucket in the ground. There was also partial remains of a skull that was found under the bucket that was in the photo. There were several more photos that included pieces of Tylee's skull and jawbone, orbital sockets, and various charred pieces. As these photos are shown, again, Laurie is not showing any emotion. So then Detective Hermosillo continued and he discussed the autopsies. He was present and described J.J., and he said, I saw a little boy in red pajamas. He had a white plastic bag around his head, several layers of duct tape from his chin to his forehead area. His arms were duct taped with several layers of duct tape. His arms were folded across his chest. His feet were also duct taped and bound. He had a white and blue child's blanket placed on top of him. So some other details that he discussed were that there was duct tape covering his mouth and his wrists. His PJs were soaked with body decomposition, and that he still had on his pull-up nighttime diaper. There was visible bruising on his arms, and that was pointed out by the medical examiner. So while this is happening, Larry Woodcock is described as being bent over crying. Of course, right? I mean, we don't even know him, and Amanda and I are crying right now as we read this. Then they admitted autopsy photos. Uh, It shows JJ's legs and feet being wrapped in the duct tape. He was wearing black socks and red PJ pants. And again, those are those red PJs that we saw in the photo of him. 
Another photo showed his head wrapped in tape and covered in plastic. And from what we've seen, Laurie did not look at these photos when they were up on the screen. There was also a photo that showed JJ's face and the back that covered it. They described the exact appearance of these remains, but to sum up that description, it's basically that they were in varying states of decomposition. Detective Hermesio said that it was easy to identify that it was JJ. Oof. Detective Hermesio today, talking about it, and even before when he discussed it, I've heard that he's having a hard time from it and that everyone, even the reporters today are like, we can't unsee what we saw today. And I'm just, you know, going through every little detail, especially JJ, because I have a seven-year-old myself. I just can't imagine what absolute monsters could do this. I don't understand why you would need to do that to a child. Mm -mm. I'm not saying that there's like any world in which there is a reasonable way to hurt a child. But this was torture. This wasn't, it wasn't just murder. No. Right? This wasn't peaceful. It's disgusting. Disgusting and terrifying. If you could do this, be a part of this, or marry someone who did this, there is something fundamentally wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that and then also what they did to Tylee, just her body and pieces is just... Yeah, they took away her humanity. Yes, yes, that's a good way to put it. And why? Why did they need to do that? Mm -mm. Nothing, nothing, no reason. What would her body have shown? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. What were they getting rid of? Right, right. What were they trying to, to not have anybody see that they did? Ugh, it's heartbreaking. And disgusting. So that was a lot. That was a lot to go through, a lot to read. Again, I can't imagine everyone in that courtroom today, whether they knew the family or not, or part of the family or not, I should say. That's hard. So after this, John Thomas cross-examined Hermesio. And we're going to go through this pretty quickly because it wasn't a lot of new information that we found. But what was discussed during the cross-examination was the surveillance, the first time hearing about JJ, why he got the warrant after the first visit to Lori's apartment. If he ever thought that Lori owned the items like the guns and the weapons that were found in the garage and Detective Hermesio just said, no, sir, like who would own that realistically, right? Yeah. That's a weird question to ask someone. Do you think that they would own that? Like, I don't know. I thought that was strange. Well, to me, it's just like, did you ever think that this was Laurie's? Or did you just assume it was Alex's? But isn't that just like everyone has personal thoughts? That That's not anything. You could say, yeah, I thought she owned that and a gun store. It doesn't matter what he thought. When it comes to what they think that she did, though, do they think that she was the person who was the owner of those weapons? I guess that's true, because she is the one on trial here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, did you ever think that she was the owner of these weapons? If not, then why do you think that she's involved? Right? Like, that's kind of the next step to me. It's scummy to me. It's, she's involved. So Hermosillo said that hundreds of tips came in after September 8th, the last time that Tylee was seen alive, and police followed up on every tip. Good. And he also said that they had planned for weeks to execute the warrant on June 9th of 2020, which was Chat's property. Detective Hermosillo was also asked if that was the first time he was at the scene of a crime where the FBI was in charge. And his reply to that was, quote, I've worked with the FBI, Homeland Security. We've served search warrants with them. But then he continued that he had not worked with them on something of this magnitude, which is fair because 
there's not much on this level, especially for like where he worked. They also referenced the ghillie suit and they asked him, quote, this isn't something that would fit her, right? And Hermesio's response was, I can't answer that. And same thing that you said earlier, like, I think they're just trying to prove that it might not have been hers. Also, like, if it, what is it, too big for her? If an item is too big, you can problem solve. Exactly. Yeah. And just an interesting addition, he also mentioned that the Boise City police were set up along the highway in eastern Idaho the day of the warrant at Chad's property. And he said, quote, in case somebody needed to be followed. So they were estimating, I guess, him trying to do what he did, which Mm -hmm. I thought was great. Thomas brought up Chad being in his car on the day that the kids were found. And Hermesio offered him a code, I guess, and saw Chad look at that area that Lindsay talked about earlier in the backyard. And Thomas said, you weren't looking eye to eye with him, right? And Hermesio said, no, I was not looking at him eye to eye. He was looking towards the tree. Again, kind of like a weird question. I think the question is, like, well, how did you know he was looking there? If you're not looking eye to eye, how do you see where his eyes are going? Because, right, like, I have my head turned, but I'm looking at you. Because you could see someone's eyes. Yeah, I'm just saying that's what it seemed like the question was for me. Yeah. It's because, like, I have my head turned away from you, but I'm looking at you with my eyes, right? So I think they have to make the argument. Yeah, but like, no, I see it. It's just I'm so curious how he's going to wrap this up later, you know, like how he's going to go with this. Mm-hmm. Another question that was discussed was the type of shovel used when digging in the yard, and Hermesio couldn't recall. I wonder if they're going to suggest that that's how Tylee's DNA got onto a shovel, or if they're going to say that the way that they were digging disturbed some of the remains and that they weren't in the state that they were in. There's no disturbing what remains were left. Like, there's nothing they could have done wrong with that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that's my guess. My only thing I could think of that would be that. I know that he's trying to find little points here and there, but in my head, there's just like not enough that you can get that would even help her in any way anymore. Just, yeah, it's kind of out there, right? Yeah. So Hermesio will be back on the stand tomorrow morning for more cross-examination. We will be back throughout the week with more episodes as recaps on the case. And with that, I hope you all have a good night and thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. 